Open your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10. As we have mentioned, we're making our way through the study of the Proverbs. Last time we looked at um, a couple of women described, the women uh, or the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. Those that were described there in chapters 8 and 9 of Proverbs. Tonight we're going to we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And we're going to do that because there's a little bit of a shift in the Proverbs themselves here, starting in chapter 10. It's a little bit of a change in the way that they're structured. Uh, Beginning in chapter 10 and going really through chapter 29, the discourse switches to much shorter Proverbs. Some even, most actually, are only one verse long. In the earlier, earlier chapters, we saw two, three, four, eight, ten verses or more of an idea that Solomon was, was suggesting. But here in chapter 10 begins really um, what Proverbs are defined as. And if you remember, uh, the, the definition of a proverb is a short, pithy saying in general use, stating a general truth or piece of advice. So Proverbs, by their def- definition, are short, uh, pithy statements. And they convey that general truth um, through what they are saying. And then after chapter 29, there's uh, chapters 30 and 31, then those are written by two different people other than Solomon. And those are a little bit longer in their discourse, and so we'll look at those um, as we kind of have uh, the earlier chapters. Um, But for the next few lessons, we're going to take a little bit more of a topical approach. Um, it would be hard to try to, uh, to kind of do a verse by verse uh, through this because there's just so much here. This is uh, a repository of these uh, short and pithy sayings that, that express these general truths. So this really is a reference for us. This is some place that we can come and we can be encouraged by the, what we read. We can be admonished by what we read. Um, but as far as getting up on uh, up here and trying to preach lesson, book, chapter, and verse, it's a little bit difficult. Maybe not for other men, but, <laughs> but for me it is. And so, like I said, we're going to take just a little bit different approach going forward for the next few lessons. And so tonight, um, <clears throat> what I'd like to look at is... Um, Proverbs 10 through 18, and really in in Proverbs 10 through 18, there's, typically speaking, there's a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Now, the word fool is thrown in, and we'll see some of that tonight, and and other other expressions like that, but generally speaking, in fact, in in your Bible headings, you probably have that there, the contrast of the wicked versus the upright, or the righteous versus the wicked. So that's what we're going to look at tonight in Proverbs 10 through 18. So we're going to group these together by subject heading. And then we're going to look at um, some that fit into those different subject headings. And then we're going to talk about them a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of commentary. Um, Again, this is kind of hard to do because what more can you say? Um, With these simple and, and, and easy things to read, it's really... Uh, really not much more to be said on the subject, but we'll, we'll glean a little bit from it. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of uh, my thoughts, and, and we'll make some applications. We'll look at some, 
things about um, the New Testament that help us in, in, in applying these in our lives today. So, let's start here with looking at Proverbs that deal with, from chapters 10 through 18, that deal with wealth and poverty. And I'm going to have these listed up here, so uh, if you'd like to follow along, please do. But we're going to be jumping around quite a bit. Um, I, I try to keep these in order, but we are going to be progressing through these eight, nine chapters, so just bear all that in mind. And what we're going to look at is, is this contrast of the righteous and the wicked. So let's just start by looking at this. And also notice that these switch sometimes from the, the wicked is talked about first, or sometimes the righteous is talked about first. So what I've done is I've indicated what verse we're talking about there, and that's where it starts. So we'll look at it from that. So for instance, in 10 and verse 2, it says, Ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteous delivers from death. So here, here's where, where we start. How much more do I say than that? But understand, and I think we can, we can really uh, understand these, and I've tried to pick some that, that have a very clear understanding and, 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 and convey the meaning very clearly. Ill-gotten gains do not profit. We know that if we set out to profit by um, nefarious means, if we set out to profit by lying and cheating and stealing, that that's not really going to profit us. Righteous delivers from death. If we, if we deal in righteousness, if we are honest um, with people in our dealings in the world, then we, we escape death. And we talk about death, not physical death, but spiritual death, of course, is what's being said here. Um, it reminds me of Mark 8 and verse 36. Was, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? If I'm going to deal with people and, and, and heap upon myself wealth and riches, um, that may get me by in this world and, and make my life easier, so to speak. But if I lose my soul, those, those monies won't ever pay for my soul. So it's much better to lay up those treasures in heaven and not worry about the things of this world. Ill-gotten gains do not profit. Righteousness delivers from death. Also, chapter 10 and verse 4, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We've, seen, we've talked about this in other Proverbs before, um, this idea of, of being negligent, being lazy. We looked at that very recently, this idea of being lazy. If you're lazy, expect to be poor. If you're not willing to, 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 to get up and, and be about the business of the day and, and, and taking care of what needs to be done, in the right manner, of course, then you're not going to have anything. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, this might seem contradictory to what we're talking about in the first example there, but diligently working, God will bless us. And he might bless us with wealth. I know many wealthy Christians. But of those wealthy Christians I know, they didn't set out to be wealthy. They set out to follow after God's will. And God blessed them with wealth. And that can happen. The hand of the diligent makes rich. Uh, I'm reminded of 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 11, 
where Paul talks about there to make it your, your ambition to lead a quiet life and diligently working with your hands. You know, he, he reflects this in his writing. You know, just set out to, to mind your own business, work with your hands, and all these things will take care of themselves. Work for God in that way. In 10 and verse 16, the wages of righteous is life. The income of the wicked is punishment. This goes in with what we talked about there at the beginning. What we work for, the wages of righteousness, those things lead to life. If we are sowing and we are living a life of righteousness, that's what gets us on that path to go to heaven. Income of the wicked is punishment. If, if we're um, not on that right path, if we're earning the wages that we have come about by ill-gotten means, there's punishment for that. Romans 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is, is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Very same idea of what we're talking about here, about earning. What is it that we earn? In 11 verse 18, the wicked earns deceptive wages, but he sows righteousness, but he who sows righteousness gets a reward. Very similar idea of what we're talking about here, and this backs that up. Reaping what we sow. In 13 and verse 11, wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Right along these lines. If we set out to defraud someone, um, that wealth is subject to, to dwindling away. That wealth is subject to the cares and, the, and the, uh, all the things in the world that can deplete that wealth. Think about if you know wealthy people, um, a lot of times they're involved in lawsuits because people come after them. And especially if they are trying to defraud anybody, that money dwindles away. But the one who gathers by labor increases it diligently, quietly, working with our hands. That's the, the godly model that we are to work in this world. Another area is our speech, the things that come out of our mouth, the things that we say. In 10 verse 21, it says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. You know, I think about uh, the lips of the righteous feed many. What, what comes out of our mouth, if, if the right things are coming out of our mouth, that could be very beneficial to people. If we are preaching and teaching God's word, that's very beneficial to someone. If we're, if, short of that, if we're just truly concerned about their lives and asking about their lives and truly interested in helping them out and saying kind words to them, that's, that's food for them. But the, fool die, the fools die for lack of understanding. Those who won't hear and those who don't hear, they're going to die. Spiritual death we're talking about in this matter. Fools die for lack of understanding. If that word's not going out, it's not feeding anybody. And those who won't or don't hear it are starving. In Hosea 4 and verse 6, uh, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge is, is, is a terrible thing. It leads to death because they don't know what it is that they should know. Paul um, 
reflects this in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. Talks about those who do not know God are going to be punished. That's a sad thing. 11 and verse 9. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. I think we can quickly understand what, what's being talked about here, about the things that we say. And we've touched on this before in, in, in previous lessons about destroying our neighbor, about those that, that are around us. Be careful in what you say to those who are around you. Words can tear people down. The godless man destroys his neighbor with the things that he says. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. If we're understanding uh, what it is we need to know, understanding the truth in God's word, there's deliverance in that for ourselves and for those who hear. Be careful with the things that you say. Your speech is very important. In 12 and verse 17, he who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. And that's very easy for us to understand. The things that we say, especially when we speak to people about God's word, we need to be diligent to make sure that what we're saying is right. A false witness, those who um, are, have their own uh, agenda, might have their own reason for leading people astray, they're not speaking the truth, they're speaking deceit. They're trying to draw people away. We need to make sure that we're telling the truth, saying what is right. Everyone. None of us are above reproach. None of us are above correction. If I say something that's wrong, please let me know. I need to be corrected too if I speak something that is wrong. None of us are above, uh, are above correction. 15 and verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words serves up anger. You've probably heard that one. You might have that one somewhere on your kitchen wall or something. Um, a gentle answer turns away wrath. How often has this been in, uh, you've seen this in your own life? That someone comes to you, they're hot under the collar. You know, they're ready to, you know, whatever, to, to go heels, as, as was said in, in older times. A general answer would turn that away, would turn that wrath away. Not always. General truths we're talking about here. But you can probably... Make book on the fact that a harsh word is going to stir up anger. If that person comes to you and they're hot under the collar and you're hot under the collar, there's going to be a problem, isn't there? So be careful in our speech and, and think about that gentle answer to turn away the wrath to diffuse that situation. 17.7. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. Now, I put this one in because it's a, a little bit... Um, different in our, in our lines of thinking here. Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool. So uh, good, righteous words coming out of the mouth of a fool, it's not fitting. It's not fitting for him, much less our lying lips to a prince. In other words, uh, we, we expect more out of people who are in uh, positions of authority we don't expect them to be lying to us now. We all know that, sadly, um, that happens every day, doesn't it? Especially in the uh, political world, 
the world around us. But the Proverbs say that uh, lying lips are not fit for a prince, are not fit for those in authority, just as excellent speech is not fit for a fool. I'll step on Larry's toes a little bit and talk about home life and family. Talk about some of the things that will come up that we've been talking about in our, in our Bible class on Sunday mornings of the family. There's some good proverbs that go along with, with what we've been talking about. Chapter 10, verse 1, a wise son makes a father glad. Did you hear that? But a foolish son is a grief to his mother. I think it's interesting how the father and the mother there are put. A wise son makes a father glad. Trey, you can be very um, instrumental in making your father glad by being wise, listening to what he has to say. And you can bring grief to your mother and your father if you are foolish. And we can apply that to everyone. We all have mothers and fathers who have, if they haven't passed away already. Still applies. Still applies, even in our older age. Still applies. A wise son can make a father glad. You know, I'm reminded of um, what Paul says there in Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. We draw on some of these proverbial things to understand that it's right for children to obey their parents. Because if they don't, there's a problem. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, from chapter 12 and verse 4. But she who shames him is as rottenness in his bones. There's a lot to be said about that, isn't there? An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. We'll talk a little bit more about we get over to Proverbs 31 about that virtuous woman and see very detailed about this excellent woman, this virtuous woman. But she is the crown of her husband. She, in detail, Proverbs 31 talks about that, about the idea of, of, of bringing glory to her husband. It's an excellent um, wife, is the crown of her husband, is that crowning uh, on his head. But the opposite is true also. She who shames him is as rottenness in his bones. There's a deterioration in that, isn't there? A woman who shames her husband is wearying to him, is degrading to him. And I think about, again, in Ephesians, and Paul talks about these family relationships there in Ephesians, in 5 verse 22, talks about wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. You know, wives, you need to be subject to your husband. We have lots of instructions about how wives are to uh, conduct themselves in the home and in other, in other places. But she's to love her husband. And down in verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives. So men, we don't get out of responsibilities to love her. We have that same responsibility to love wives, to love our wives. And if we want to honor our wives and husbands, then we need to be honorable. We need to make sure that we're following on the righteous side of all of these things so that we can be honorable. 13 and verse 9. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked goes out. Very interesting language in this, and it, it reminded me of... Uh, it, 
if you've lived long enough and, and seen Christians and, and met other people in other places, don't you see a light in Christians? Those who are truly following after God and following after His Word, don't you see a light shining out of them? The lamp of the wicked goes out. I think we've seen this too. Those who get uh, bogged down in the cares of the world, those who have fallen away, that you have that personal knowledge of, you see that light just going out in them, don't you? I think about Christians and those who have lived long lives as Christians, they're, they are the light of the world. They're great people to be around. That light is shining. The light of the righteous rejoices. And you don't want to be around those where that light has gone out. In 13 and verse eight, uh, 18, poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. Uh, a couple of ways to think about this, this one, poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. Is that talking about the father? I think so. If you don't discipline your, your children or parents, if you're not disciplining your children, the poverty and shame here is not necessarily of, the, of your riches, but of your family name. The, the problems that it causes in your family name if you're not disciplining your children. But he who regards reproof will be honored. If your parents, if you're disciplining your children, if you're regarding reproof as something that is helpful in their developmental process, then that's going to be honorable. The children will bring honor to you. And children, you fall in there too. You need to understand that you need to be disciplined. And you need to accept that discipline. And you need to understand that reproof is going to make you a better person in the long run. Being corrected along the way will make you better in the long run. Chapter 15, verse 27. He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. You know, this kind of goes in the, in the area of um, wealth as well, but think about, you know, it, you don't just bring dishonor on yourself, but you trouble your own household. I think we've seen this as well. People who go after um, things illegally, you know, pushing the boundaries of morality, it troubles their own house. It brings shame upon them. But he who hates bribes will live. If you are honorable and have integrity, then that's what God is looking for. That's the side of righteousness. Don't take bribes. Don't take ill-gotten gains. Let's talk about, finally here, let's talk about wisdom. So much of Proverbs is about wisdom. So there are a few things that we can draw out of this and continue our discussion and our thoughts about wisdom. In 10 and verse 14, it says, Wise men store up knowledge. But with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Uh, storing up knowledge. You know, I, I think about uh, one's commitment to Bible study. Are you storing up knowledge? Are you committed to knowing more and more and more about um, the scriptures, 
God's will for us, all those things. Wise men do that. Wise men study. I made mention of this um, before, I believe, last, this past fall when I was up in Alabama for a, a seminar. We had um, several older men who were leading uh, the classes, and when they weren't leading the class, they were students in the class. And every one of them, down to the last one of them, as someone else was uh, giving their presentation, they had their Bibles out, they were flipping, they were making notes. And these are older men who are a wealth of Bible knowledge within themselves. But they understand that it's always a learning process, storing up knowledge. But those who refuse to know knowledge, there's, there's ruin. There's troubles times ahead of them. In the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. In 12 and verse 1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. This goes along with what we're talking about with parents. If you understand, uh, parents, that you need to discipline your child, then you understand that the scriptures tell you that. You love knowledge. The knowledge in scripture tells us that your children need to be disciplined. So there you are. If you love discipline, then that means you love knowledge. That means you're putting knowledge into practice, which is wisdom. He who hates reproof is stupid. That word there, stupid, just means they're uneducated, unlearned. Don't under, doesn't understand that discipline is part of raising children in a godly way. And if you don't know that, then you haven't read the scriptures and don't understand them. That reproof is mandated in scriptures. Chapter 13 and verse 13. The one who despises the word will be in debt to it. But the one who fears the commandment will be rewarded. You know, I, this is an interesting one to me as well. Uh, the one who despises the world, word will be in debt to it. But the one who fears commandment will be rewarded. We're talking about the same word here. We're talking about the word of God. And I'm reminded of that two-edged sword that's talked about in Hebrews 4 and verse 12. That sword cuts both ways, doesn't it? The same word can convict us of our sin and yet tell us about salvation. We looked at it this morning in Romans 1 and verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God and salvation. That's the same word. It's the same word that can save us from our sins also tells us what those sins are. So if we despise the word, then the word's going to fall down on us and it's going to convict us. But the opposite is true. The one who fears a commandment will be rewarded. If we understand that, that God has told us how we ought to live our lives, then we're rewarded by this same word. That just rings that bell in my mind about, about that two-edged sword. It's the same word. In chapter 14 and verse 1, the wise woman builds her house. Women, you aren't left out of the equation here in Proverbs. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. You know, there's so much in that about building up. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are doing. 
You know, this building up is, is throughout Scripture. It's a theme that runs throughout Scripture about building up, building upon a foundation and continuing to build up. The wise woman is the one that builds on that, puts her house together, literally and spiritually. Woman to be good keepers at home, you know, that's following after godly wisdom. But the foolish tears it down with her own hands. What will tear that house down, what will tear down the spirituality that we have, or that she has, lies in her own hands. What she does to tear that down, she's responsible for that. Chapter 17, verse 24. Wisdom is the presence of one who has understanding. Wisdom is in the presence of one who has understanding. But the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. It took me a little bit of time to get my head around that one. And I, I hope you'll, you'll understand it this way. At least this is, this is how I see it. You know, wisdom is, is, is not far from us. Wisdom is not um, something that, it, that is so far away that it's a journey just to get to wisdom. Wisdom is right here. Wisdom is within our reach. And when I think about that, wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding. If, if you're seeking after wisdom, then it's right here. God's word is not far from us. It's right here, and we can understand it. But what does that mean, the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth? I think about those who are, who are constantly making plans, who are constantly looking for the next big break or looking for um, something. They're, all, they're chasing after something. And you've probably seen people like this and know people like this, and they're never satisfied. They're always chasing after something. And so the ends of the earth are out there, and that's where they're, that's where they're going. Rather than understanding that wisdom is right here with them. It's right here. It, it's among us. It doesn't have to be chased after to the ends of the earth. It's right here. Now, our pursuit in wisdom will take us through our lifetime, but we're always in the presence of it. If we'll just understand that it's here, and it's not some faraway goal that only the smart people will get to. It's right here among us. There's a myriad of other topics that we could cover but I hope you understand at least, and maybe this is a way that you might study the Proverbs, is, is to read through them and look for those, those themes that, that, that are throughout. Speech, what we say, wisdom, family matters. They're all here and, and more. But these are short little statements about general knowledge. And this is wisdom from God. So this is a way that we can hopefully... Uh, understand the Proverbs a little bit more. Only scratch the surface here. We might move on into other chapters or we might come back and, and do a few more topics in this, but um, I hope this has been encouraging to you to see the wisdom that the Proverbs offer us. We are come to the conclusion of our time here together. We always offer an invitation as we do for those uh, to uh, might need some assistance, might need the prayers of the congregation, whatever it is that you might be struggling with. 
If there are things that you need to take care of in a private nature, I pray, I pray and, and hope that you will do that. Take care of those things. If there's something of a public nature that you need to take care of, we can help you with that as well. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.